Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Tom Spence, Chris Ragg and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing the joyous arrival of Aleph Insights' new baby. And due to the lockdown, unusually, we're recording this remotely. Nick. Tell her what's the news? I'm all of it. All of a. I'm all of a something. A well, astute listeners, astute listeners will notice that Peter is absent from today's podcast because he's just had a baby, or more accurately, his his girlfriend has had the baby, and he's obviously yeah. been highly supportive. And um, uh, and this baby is a is a, a little girl, and she looks adorable and everything. Um, I hope he's going to call her Aleph. That's what I hope. It's close. It's actually. I think it's Ada. Okay. So um, the uh, and and of course, you know, Chris and I have both have ki- had kids. We've got Tom here who hasn't yet had kids. He is a kid. He, no, he is a child yeah. myself. Um, yeah. And uh, and you know, can you, can you give people advice about what to do as a parent? Will they listen? Um, and, and actually, more generally, you know, giving advice. Uh, get, old people give advice to young people all the time, don't they? And young people don't listen to it, and then uh, the young people become old, and then they they give advice to young people who don't listen and it feels like this this sort of eternal issue of the of generations not listening to each other but more generally i mean can we uh can you actually meaningfully give advice to people who are younger than you or indeed older and and you know um should we listen or are are there good reasons to to reject what old people say because their their um advice is rooted in outdated beliefs Okay, I mean, just one thing, I can't remember if we've discussed this before, one thing immediately strikes me is that even the best advice in the world, even if it is by whatever measure correct, you've got to be in a receptive sort of state to accept it anyway. Um, anyway, that just leaps off the top of my head. Uh, Chris or Tom, do you want to leap in there? Yeah, well, I think I think the, the, the thing for me is, um, you know, I'm quite interested in, in sort of different cultural models and... Um, you know the acceptance of of advice and and also our our sort of archetypes of um you know what an advice giver is and you know you've got these two kind of different models at, at work you've got the sort of gandalf kind of uh figure of where age represents you know wisdom and then you've got the sort of you know grandpa simpson kind of of character where mm. you know age is is uh is ridiculed in 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 some way and and you know it, it, that's all it, it's obviously a, a really fundamental um struggle that isn't that is not in any way unique to our our time at, at the moment you know you look at stories like um king leah and that is that's all about sort of you know how one interacts with um you know the the, the kind of direction your parents might want you to 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 go in um so so yeah and i'm, I'm interested whether or not there are differences between different cultural settings and the way that um the the way that advice might might be received and and also the different phases because not only not only is the the parental uh, advice to the you know the young child that's that's being parented but you you the thing that totally struck me was when I had children people had told me about children mm. and I'd seen children and I I sort of had this idea that they were going to be a nightmare right but that there would be some upsides mm. but 
but there's nothing that can prepare you for just what a nightmare they actually they actually are in reality quite how little control you have over the outcome as well it's you know how you kind of have this fantasy that you're going to be that perfect middle class family where all the kids are sitting there discussing you know um discussing horace's odes uh while everyone else's kids are on their screens and and you know and you think well i'm going to do things differently i'm not going to make the mistakes my parents made and then within about a week you've turned into your dad yeah Mm. no i wrote before we had children precisely to try and avoid this trap i wrote a parenting manifesto it was it was short but you know uh and then i read it like i I read it several years later and it was preposterous it was just the most ridiculous thing and i was like that was only me a few years ago what did you what kind of stuff did you put in there oh it was things like you know don't ever pander to the sort of child's desires you know make a strategic decision and then impose it because it's for the longer term good and all yeah. it just all you know all disappears and i had all this stuff about you know don't be emotionally blackmailed and um and 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 then you just find yourself on you know kind of one day waking up and realizing you're just doing all those pathetic things you swore you would never do like um, what like what <clears throat> Well, like making the short-term decision, you know, like so- somebody wants an ice cream and you're like, no, no, we're not having an ice cream because you can't have an ice cream every day. I really want an ice cream. You know, oh, okay, here, have an ice cream. It'll, just, have a bloody it'll, get, ice it'll get me over the next. What you Two don't realize. owning is not worth, you know. The, what exactly. The it's like an ice cream. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's £3.50. There you go. You know, go, go away. <laughs> Okay, I like it. Uh, Tom, let's bring you in. But before we do, I want to apologise, actually, Tom, because I think it's a bit of a cheap shot, I said, because we were saying, you know, Nick's got kids, Chris's got kids, and Tom, Tom, you're a kid. But I don't, I, do you know what it is? It's middle-age envy, you know? So that's, uh, that's where I disagree with you. I think I am pretty much still a child, to be honest. Oh, right, okay. Especially okay. In, in the world of coronavirus. I mean, I'm living at home with my parents right now. Um, okay, so, fair enough. You know, so does regressed. that mean you're an advice giver? Are you a giver of advice, or really you should be a taker of advice? And how receptive to advice so are just, you? Just to put things in context, Tom, I think yeah, I would. I, I feel like you're probably one of the youngest millennials. Is that accurate? Yeah, or I, you're still I, a millennial. I'm right on the boundary. Uh, I am. I am one of the youngest millennials, but very close. And I think a lot of my cultural touchstones are actually more Gen Z than millennial. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, I, because I, I, I'm also intergenerational, so I don't really identify with millennials or Generation X. Um, but we're we're almost Tom. Horrific as this may sound, we're almost the same generation. Oh, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm I'm I think I'm Generation X, and you I think are you're squarely you and Chris are massively yeah. Generation. X. And I don't even know what the hell Generation X is. I mean, I kind of do. But That's very Generation X to not. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Tom, yeah, people trying to give people old are old farts like us three trying to give. Well, apart from your fellow generational um, um, millennial Nick, are people <laughs> like us trying to give us as fanciful as that seems? Are people always trying to give you advice? Yeah, well, I think there is a. I mean, I think people like giving advice because when you give advice, you feel good, right? You feel like you've helped someone. You feel like an expert. You Imparted know. wisdom. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. I also think that when people give advice, they're often giving advice based on their own experiences, right? Because, you know, that's what they're a subject matter expert in, in themselves. And Mm. people are giving advice as to how they would have done things, should have done things, or did do things when they were the age of the advice receiver. Mm. But I think there's there's a problem with that, which is that, you know, the world changes. I mean, if you think back to, 
your parents when they were your age, they would have been in a very mm. different situation. I mean, uh, I, I actually checked before this uh, this podcast. My dad, when he was maybe a year or two older than me, bought his first house, well, flat, uh, in right. London, in Lambeth. Yeah. And yeah. it was one bedroom, and it cost about £30,000. Now, I also mm-hmm. just looked up on uh, on uh, Right Move here. Uh, mm-hmm. A one-bedroom flat in Lambeth now costs about £400,000. So, you know, the advice he might give on saving up for a first home is not necessarily mm. applicable anymore. Mm. And I think there's a, there's a question there. So we shouldn't just ask, you know, how willing are people to receive advice, but also how useful is the advice that is being given? Mm. Mm. But it is at least one source of information, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Nick or Chris? Well, I have, yeah. I, so I had a look at, I, I've got I've got some empirical data and a proposed theory here, <clears throat> which might tie things together a bit. I, I was interested in what people actually do seek advice about. And um, the, uh, now there isn't obviously, like there isn't really a place to go for, um, you know, data on that but looking at citizens advice they do have a there's only a recent data set and like a lot of data sets on the internet it's virtually possible to interrogate but uh, um they they have this thing called advice trends which shows what people are asking about when they when they contact citizens advice and um essentially it's uh it although you might be tempted to give young people advice about you know not settling with the first girlfriend you get really what people want advice about is benefits and tax credits so that's top, followed by um, uh, debt, and then employment, housing. Then come relationships and family, and of course, um, uh, of course, the um, uh, you know the the citizens' advice isn't there for sort of emotional support. It's about you know what can I do to help myself in this situation. But it gives you an interesting insight. Uh, look, five years ago, what were people asking about? Well, lo and behold, benefits, debts housing relationships and then i thought well uh let's go back uh in time and now there's no data on this but there is thankfully there is a citizens advice video from about 1940 showing it's sort of chumley warner style uh people you know with problems struggling Mm -hmm. with forms and and you know not not being aware of their you know widows pensions and those kinds of things and the things they mention are allowances government allowances finance housing and the perennial issue of soap rationing. And um, I, so I claim this, first of all, the kinds of things people seek advice about from citizens' Mm. advice, admittedly, is virtually unchanged, which suggests Mm -hmm. that the problems we live with are more continuous than they may feel. Um, I know I hear a lot of people, uh, Tom's age and, you know, even an older, um, you know, saying, saying, you know, finding houses is a problem but you know certainly we're not i i finding houses was a problem for me maybe less of a problem um but people have always struggled with you know how where are they going to live and uh it, it so maybe maybe that is something you know a more universal experience even though the specifics might change then i thought i looked at what do people actually need advice about right mm. and, and here it's a very different picture i i, I haven't found there's no 
obviously it doesn't really come with data but i found one um lady on the internet who who was a sort of coach who had who had um, made a made a kind of i think a few hundred of her clients had sort of submitted what's their biggest mistake in life and so this would be what would you say to your past self i guess if you wanted to do things differently it would be underestimating your capability associating with the wrong people mm. money worries stop you doing things right comparing yourself to others um refusing to learn stuff um letting your ego get in the way of your you know satisfaction in life and ignoring your body so so assuming you will just always be healthy you know and not these are all pretty good yeah yeah I think they they strike me as very intuitively accurate so i'll just sum up with my by putting my theory out there and, mm. and it relates to some other stuff we might say later on but um i i think that people seek advice about things that are external but they need advice about things that are internal so really you know people think their problems mm. are caused by the environment they're in mm. really their problems are caused by them that that, is, that i'm going to put that out there and it's a sweeping generalization but they no, i kind of like that that's a kind of you know environments more or less change but needs and wants remain more or less the same and you know how do we respond or be proactive to what's happening externally it's it's all getting very buddhist all very internal um so i want to bring chris in and then come back to you tom chris yeah well i i think that that sort of that theory um highlights two things for me the first is that there is a there is a distinction between the themes about which the advice is uh required in so you know whether there are you know and and some of those are are kind of um you know not affected by time they're they're kind of universal throughout time but some of them prob probably are but that's things like you know it might be okay i want to know about human relationships or uh parenting um you know so there are those that, or it might be i need i want to know how to deal with coronavirus right which is clearly not going to be an issue you know hopefully in 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 a few years time um but uh there's then the solutions right which is the kind of content of the advice which which i think is what tom was hinting at probably is um context dependent right so you know how do i deal with relationships that that's a that's an ongoing question and we you know we look back to shakespeare for for you know sort of wisdom on those kinds of things uh, uh, um but actually it, it you know has the the answer to that question changed over time has the uh, and and so i think it's worth sort of remembering those those um separations this the second thing is i think you know nick's theory about you know we ask advice about stuff external to us we we require advice about things internal to us and that might there might be something around that which is why we don't perhaps accept advice because the advice that's that's useful may well be about us and about you know effectively a criticism of our personality in some way that we might want to um you know well really what you should do is be less whatever um and 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 that's difficult to accept right we've got our sense of self and we you know in order to to kind of um uh protect that we might ignore the advice even if it means a bad consequence for us whereas if somebody says oh well what you should do is um you know uh go and consult this this government agency and fill out a form um so, you know that's less sort of you know we, we may be more inclined to follow that advice um so we talked about a little bit about what sort of advice people seek but that doesn't always match with what people what advice is actually given um tom i think you've got something to say about that 
Yeah, well, I think Nick and Chris both talked about the demand side of the equation there. So about what advice people ask for and actually need and how there's a mismatch between those. But then I think on the other side, there's another mismatch between the advice that people should give so the advice that is needed and the advice that people mm. do give. And I think that ties into Chris's point about, you know, the the kind of advice on more personal internal things often being unwanted because it can be perceived as an insult, even though that is often the advice that is given. And going back to my earlier point, I think another another trend in the supply side is that the advice that is given is for an environment that no longer exists so may not be the right advice to give there's a couple there's a couple of things i found which um where where you know there's there does seem to be a mismatch between the perceptions of older people and younger people about what things younger people should or do worry about so this was a a survey of looking at you know what so actual young people under 30s more or less what are they worrying about and then uh what do people who are sort of middle-aged or older think that young people worry about mm-hmm. and it's it's not bad right i mean you know people 55 plus think that young people worry about jobs and housing and social media and social pressures and drugs right what is totally wrong is mm. drugs young yeah i was going to say drugs. that no young person worries about well, drugs. young people don't take drugs anymore they're so boring <laughs> They don't take drugs and they don't have sex. Or if they do, they haven't got any worries. So, you and, know. And, and related yeah, to life is good. <laughs> related yeah. to the fact that they don't take drugs or have sex, the number one thing they worry about is actually mental health. So I say well, they, drugs and sex. they need more drugs. And you're, sex, what you're saying they? is anxiety is causing anxiety, isn't it? Well, I mean, you know, that's the so, so that's that's the big that's the, really the big one. Which which so young people are much more concerned about mental health than older people give them credit for. So that's or you know, other older people believe they are. Um, but you know they're, they're yeah, and I think, but I think um, this issue which Chris raised, which I think that's mm. what Tom's saying as well, is actually it may be that you know there's two kinds of it's certainly solutions like you know okay, what do you want if you like a if, you know if you if you want to be in a relationship, what should you do? Mm. If you tell someone that they should buy the girl at the grocery shop a bunch of flowers. That may be considered outdated because these days you're supposed to download Tinder, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. don't don't do that. Okay, so it's your your advice as a young person is don't. Yeah, don't young person do advice. But certainly that like that solution is wrong. But I think I think more generally like okay that that question of what do you want a relationship for? What are you aiming for? Mm. It is what you're looking for the thing that is going to make you happy. Mm. I feel like those kinds of uh th- those kinds of bits of advice like oh when i was when i was your age I, you know i was thought i was madly in love with this girl um but you know looking back i can now see it was just you know it's just infatuation and she wasn't really good for me etc those are universal i mean i, I th- so so i wonder if you know the, the issue is that the 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 calling attention to the things people worry about and sort of trying to put them in perspective maybe that's useful i i don't expect that people listen to it necessarily but the, probably the solutions that people give here's what you should do if you're in this situation that is where it's most likely to be totally obsolete yeah and i think connected to that the what i found most useful when i've received advice isn't necessarily as nick said do this and do that but it's more of an understanding of the sort of cone of possibilities so you know understanding that if x happens to me that is 
you know, it's not necessarily unusual or something to be worried about. It's happened to other people before. So I think kind of normalizing experiences that people are likely to have is one of the most useful things because then they know to be able to go out and seek further advice on that if they want to. They know they're not sort of alone in a struggle. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, we, okay, we need to move towards a conclusion. Um, I've got a question I want to ask, but before we do, I think both Nick and Chris want to say something. Yeah. Either of you leap in. Yeah, yeah. well, I was just going to say, you know, um, the the whether or not advice is taken is not is not clearly not just based on whether the advice is any good or not right it's something going on within the the person themselves and it might be a generational mistrust or uh you know individuals may be less susceptible to advice so i'm quite interested in psychologically you know what's going on with an individual when they make the decision to to act upon advice never mind whether that advice is any good or not have they accepted it and i think you know one of the one of the interesting factors here i mean it's, it's quite well established that there are differences Culturally, you know, uh, psychologists like Harry Triandis and uh, Daphne Oyserman have um, have looked at, um, you know, the differences between individualism and collectivism across different cultures. Right. And obviously, uh, it'd be unsurprising to hear that sort of the West is more individualistic and to put it very crassly, the East is is more, uh, you know, collectivist in its in its view. And um, whether or not, you know, individualism uh and a sense of familialism as well you know do you listen to advice from your from your family is is at is at play and um you know there's an interesting study by um Yaniv and uh Milovsky at um at the University of Jerusalem where they were looking at um you know how how people accept advice or or not and they found basically as we would intuitively understand um that people value their own opinion more than they value an external opinion. Yeah, if you mm-hmm. if you step outside of that as a third party and you look mm. at it and you say, well, here are two people's opinions, right? Why don't you split the middle? But as an individual, you value your own opinion more, you know, more than an external op- opinion. And they're looking at the reasons why that is the case. And you know, one of the one of their sort of hypotheses is that when you when you're looking at your own opinion and and effectively your own advice to yourself, you can see all the rationalization of it you can see the working out for the decision right you understand where it came from and w- yeah. you, you know whereas when somebody gives you advice externally you've only got that little bit of data about what they're suggesting you don't see the same reasoning but b- behind it and so yeah. you know there's a sort of uh there's a inbuilt bias towards you know accepting our own opinion now is that is that good that's that's you know that's a that's the question i suppose presumably that is that bias is there for a reason right yeah um maybe we are better off kind of, i mean people do adjust to advice but it but they take into account they shift sort of 20 to 30 percent of the direction towards it rather than halfway as you as yeah. you would expect externally. yeah um yeah no nice uh, final point nick yeah just i think worth mentioning um i think one of one of the drivers certainly of this um if you like the perennial problem of advice, you know, you look, <clears throat> go back to Chaucer and Knight and the Squire, you know, the sort of generation gap and mm. how, how the Squire thinks the Knight is a kind of boring old fart and the, 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 um, the, the Knight thinks the Squire is a, is a bit silly and, uh, you know, mm. um, uh, but the, the, and, and this thing that, that I think it, it, Chris is absolutely right. And Tom's absolutely right. There's all sorts of reasons why we shouldn't pay that much heed to, to older people. Um, 
but I think one thing that we do need to be aware of is is how bad we are at anticipating the extent to which we will change over time. Um, you know, like we were saying, when you become a parent, you think, well, I'm not going to be like my parents. And, you know, you look at old people and think, well, I'm not going to be a boring old person like that. I'm going to be mm. one of these adventurous, exciting old people. Um, and, and of course, you know, you actually just do, you, you replicate the same life path as, as people. And um, I mean, there's a lot of evidence about our inability to really to anticipate what we're going to be like in the future. Certainly in the mm. short term, things like really simple things like the extent to which we're going to enjoy a particular food we're really bad at anticipating that there's a lot of experiments with crisps weirdly one of them was asking people how much they will enjoy eating crisps after the ice cream or after the sardines and uh and people people massively people think they're going to enjoy crisps much more or less depending on what other food they've had but they don't there was an experiment also with crisps where people had to choose um, which flavors of crisps they wanted on every day of a conference. And then another group um, were allowed to choose on the day. And the group who chose in advance always chose a variety of flavors because they thought that that would be better. But but the people who chose on the day always chose the same flavor. They always went for the salt and vinegar or whatever. Mm. That's what they mm. liked best. We're bad at that. We're bad at anticipating what we might feel in, in a day or two days. or you know. And then you look at things like the hyperbolic discounting problems where people... Um, you know, people are, are much more biased towards the re recency and and d make dis different decisions about their future selves than they do about their present selves. Um, but I think more more generally, um, you know, we un we we underestimate how much we're going to change over time. And I found one study which was a fifty year study looking at the same people um, at, a, at the beginning and end of a fifty year um, a fifty year period and. And actually, you know, so measured aspects of their personality, slightly old fashioned concepts of, of personality metrics because they hadn't fully developed when the survey started. But um, and looking at it, you know, there are some things which stay the same. So you, you your things like your stability, your impulsiveness, uh, your appreciation of culture, leadership, mm -hmm. your social sensitivity, those things seem to stay remarkably constant. But things that do change are your calmness and maturity and self-confidence and tidiness and um you know if you're if you're an untidy person at 20 you, you may be totally different at uh, at 70 and um and and actually on some of these metrics you know you, you the person you're going to be in 50 years time is is you know as different as a as a complete stranger to you now so yeah i mean i suppose what i'm saying is we underestimate the extent to which we will change over time, but we, we know that we will. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. Um, look, we just need to sort of uh, close the circle here. And um, I think it would be remiss of us if we didn't take this opportunity and notwithstanding everything we've said, see if we can take heed of our own advice while we've been doing this is to, to give, you know, new dad, Peter Coghill and his Coghillette, um the benefit of our wisdom, either as, you know, um, all three or four of us here as fathers and i'm sure tom um, i'm sure you've got all sorts of excellent advice you could also give to, to peter as well um it'd be more like how to be a good dad you know from tom's perspective as a as yeah a, exactly as a daddy rather than yeah. a, a dad <laughs> a daddy than yeah. exactly um can we, can we also give some advice for tom for for fun uh, uh well if tom doesn't mind if tom doesn't mind yeah so who's got, let's start off, well, look, okay, if Tom doesn't mind, let's all give Tom some advice. Um, I'm ready. Nick, go for it. 
Okay. Yeah, no, it's just that. Um, yeah, yeah. Strap in, Tom. This is going to be good. This is, you know, these are going to be pearls of wisdom flying their way at you, Nick. Um, yeah, something that stuck with me. Uh, I heard an, the person who wrote this life being interviewed about. Mm. Uh, it was in the in the nineties, and <clears throat> she said. One of the things you realize when you get into your 30s is that things you thought were just coincidences, things you thought were bad luck mm. are actually a pattern and it's probably you doing it. Mm. And, I, and, I, and, and I think this comes back to my thing about we tend to that attribution problem of we tend to we tend to blame our failings on the external environment and not on ourselves. That that's also be aware that by the time you you get to the age of thirty, you'll realise that the things you did wrong is because you're a chronic procrastinator or something, and not because you were just unlucky. Just to say, Tom, that that's really good advice you're getting there, and I concur with Nick. Um, Chris, uh, I I would say just um, don't undervalue how good your twenties are. That would be my my advice. They're, they're mm. probably the golden era of your life. Because when you're a child, you don't have agency. When you get into your 20s, you can do stuff, but you haven't got the familial responsibilities. Um, mm. So so you're, you're basically in the sweet spot of being able to do what you want. That's it, really. Yeah, yeah. just remember you can do what you want. I don't know if you've noticed, but um, I haven't been outside my parents' home since March. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm writing off this part of my twenties at least. <laughs> Coronavirus aside, you can do what you want under under normal circumstances. When um... I think it's a good example of what you talked about at the beginning, Tom, about you know environment changing, and if ever an environment changed, there we go. Um, my advice, I mean, look, have Tom, have you seen the film Little Miss Sunshine? I have actually, yeah, a long while back. So all I would say is there's a moment where the granddad, who's a heroin addict, is in the minivan and he gives some advice to the grandson um, without the little girl hearing she's got her earphones in. Do you know what, do you, can you recall what the advice is? You don't have to tell me what it is, but do you know what I'm talking about? Far too long ago for me to remember that, that I saw this film. Okay. So I'm not going to say it. So just check it out. Okay. That's that's what my advice. Yeah. Yeah. And something very similar happens. I just saw it recently in um, Scent of a Woman where um, Al Pacino gives some advice to a cat as well. Um, So maybe check that out. It's basically the same advice. Um, Tom, I mean, we don't have time really sort of to to talk about what you think of the advice that you've just received, unfortunately. Um, But do we all want to give Peter some advice? I've got one thing, which is what I always tell people who are going to be new parents. Go for it. You, 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 what you do is going to be completely irrelevant to how your kid turns out. Right. So just don't worry about the details. They will, they will end up being able to walk and use a toilet. Right. Don't get worked up about, about that. One in the case of Nick, at least one out of two. One thing I really wish I'd done is kept a diary, just kept a diary of what they're doing that day, you know, because because you forget so easily. You think I'll remember this day for the rest of my life because it's the day that, you know, they first picked up a ball and you totally forget. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Chris. Yeah, I think it's difficult. Parental advice is obviously very difficult. I I would just say, um, you know, eventually it it ends, you know. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. You're so bleak, Chris. Yeah. Should we just end the podcast on that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's just stop right there. Yeah. Um, Tom, Um, as as the daddy. I'm going to go a bit meta here and say Mm. that my piece of advice is about giving advice. And I think Peter should try to, because, you know, part of a parent's job is to advise their child, but he should try to keep his advice informative rather than 
prescriptive. So rather than advising his child what to do, he should, you know, tell them about the things that are possible and help kind of guide the child's own decision of what to do. Well, you can put your finger in that electric socket, but if you do... <laughs> exactly. But how does that help him in the next, you know, week? Is, is trying to rationalise with toddlers is pointless. That's another bit of, <laughs> a bit of advice. Um, I think my advice is a bit um, trite, but, uh, you know, just have fun. Enjoy it. Um, and I like Nick's point. About have a good time all the time. All the time. There you go. The best yeah. advice ever given anywhere. The best motto. Um, all right. Let, let's wrap up there. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Nick Hare, Chris Ragg, and Tom Spencer of Aleph Insights. And a big congratulations to Peter Coghill and his new Alephette, um, Ada. Well done, Peter and Rosie, and uh, all the best. Um, that's all for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.